We want to thank Animal Equality for sponsoring the podcast today. Every day, Animal Equality is working to end the suffering of farmed animals. To create a world where all humans are respected and protected, they need your help. Your donation will allow Animal Equality to fund important investigations into factory farms and slaughterhouses, exposing the cruelty that happens behind closed doors. Donate today and you can make a difference for animals, and together we can change the world. Hello, welcome to Launch Left. I'm Rain Phoenix. Today's special episode is for my brother River celebrating his birthday. And my special guest is Chris Doritas of KCRW. Chris shared with me a tape from 1991 of an interview he did with River about Al Hazadic environmentalism and his work. And today's episode, we are using excerpts from that special interview, as well as talking to Chris about his experience during that time. I hope you enjoy it. Please welcome Chris Doritas to the show. First of all, thank you for having me. I was honored when you reached out and supremely honored when I found out why you reached out and what you wanted to talk about. The fact that you wanted to talk about River, you know. This was like my first year at KCRW. I think I'd been there a year. And I think it was right after my own private Idaho came out. We started off like we were two friends hanging out. It just felt so casual and comfortable and he brought zero pretense i'd never met him before wow i'd never met him before this interview interesting you know okay and so but he i guess he's just like he's just such a likable immediately like you know down to earth cool kid you know that he just came through and was just like we just hit it off what's your last name Doritas. What's your last name? Phoenix. River Phoenix. Just the name conjures up all the right images. What more can be said about a person who does things the way he thinks they should be done? I think if he has anything to say about it, a lot will be said. We did the conversation. It was pre-taped. I didn't know, of course, that it was going to be the last and only time that I'd see him. Good morning. This is Morning Becomes Eclectic on KCRW. I'm Chris Doritas, and joining me is River Phoenix. Good day to you all. I remember the first time that your name had an impact on me. Uh, A person I really admired a lot told me he was moving to Gainesville, Florida, to work with you on some music with the band you're in. Yeah. Josh McKay. I mentioned in that conversation um, a couple of on-air references that had happened uh, before he came to KCRW, because Milton Nascimento had been a frequent guest on on KCRW and with me on Morning Becomes Eclectic, and Milton had spoke about River in the past as a yeah. guest, and he, you know, um, had River uh, do a piece, Kuri Kuri, yeah. on on the Chai album, and um, and he wrote a song about River, yeah. like a, a River letter Phoenix. to yeah. River Phoenix, yeah. yeah. And um, and it was Milton's viewing of Mosquito Coast that had made Milton so uh, enamored of, of River's talent. I love Milton Nascimento, and I think that that was so, so cool how they struck up a friendship and went yeah. to visit, and, you know, it was 
a really special time for him. And I love that it, you know, it, it came to a music collaboration. The next time your name came up was during an interview I had with Milton Nascimento, the incredible Brazilian singer, the incredible man. He had just apparently seen you in Mosquito Coast, I think, and um, he was wanting to get in touch with you because he said he saw something on the screen that he just had to know. Something. Yeah. And um, apparently it led to a collaborative piece uh, that uh, appeared on Milton's recent release, Shy. He asked me to narrate a small tidbit, so I did so, recorded it at home in the attic, and mailed it off. He's a sweetheart, good man. Yeah, he is. Did he just call you one day? How did you guys finally get together? Yeah, yeah. he faxed me and we talked. And he's friends now with my mother and I both. He's a very good person. Jungle friends sleep and work against dreaming, against them. So when they wake, they're damned like the river, mother's bloodline. Until we have completely stripped them of their song, dance, prayer, and language, then replace it with ours. How do we say? Oh, so sorry, let's explain. That's from Milton Nascimento's recent release, Chai, on Columbia Records, with text and narration by River Phoenix, who is my guest. And listening back myself to this rather epic conversation between you and River when he was 21 years old, there were a few things that really struck me, or it seemed to strike you, I should say, even more so in the interview. You brought up something, you were very sweet. I think you said something like, from the outside looking in, the f- your family is like a life raft that I would like to, or something. And I was like, like to be part beyond. Yeah. yeah, that was such a, such a sweet way. What, um, and he, for you, in hearing back, um, what struck you about that, and maybe his responses to that, or did he? Did you feel like he? You know, did I respond. I don't know if he picked up on what I was getting at. For whatever reason, I just felt like. You kids seemed really close, you know, that um, I think I was referencing you guys as a unit. It's a good observation. We are all really close. We've just always been like a unit and we have our individuality and our autonomy, but we're always super supportive of each other. And we would note that because of our friend groups where siblings sibling rivalry or people hating yeah. their sister or brother we were like what we yeah, thought that was that's where strang- i came from <laughs> we thought that was the strangest thing as kids we were like why don't they like the-? you know like because we were all along? so tight and work together and yeah. we're creatives and feel so blessed for that and i and always love when other people notice that because of our closeness there is a protectiveness and so anything that's potentially interview to me what i heard in his voice was like him being protective of his like sharing too much of like how much how close you know what i mean like he had that he had that um quality at times where he was like sussing out the person asking why because he was the oldest and was very protective Protective. like are you trying to get some information maybe that's where he i I feel like in a way he he was funny how he was like post what did he say like post-nuclear family blah 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 (laughs) yeah just kind of put a button on it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, River, I think, I don't think I'm alone in this, but when I think of the Phoenix family, if anybody knows about your family and your work and what you're about and stuff, 
to me, the Phoenix family is like a family on a life raft that surviving post nuclear family. Yes. Yeah. To me, because I do have an inside look at it. Just well, we share mutual friends in a way. Yeah. Yeah. You're a young guy. I mean, you're 21 years old. I'm not gonna harp on that, but you are a young guy, and, mm. and you're not married right now. What if you were to start a family right now? This is something I just did recently, so I guess this is a little personal. And still, there's so much that you want to do and say, and it's a big world out there, and you have to really fight to be heard. Do you think that family life has to suffer for that? Before I would make that decision, I would hope to have a bit more experience on this planet, because I do not feel, by all means, prepared for that sort of <laughs> undertaking. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Sometimes it happens before you even know it. A good family allows you to uh, have a neutral beginning, anyhow. Yeah, you know, a place to start. That's a, right. A, a fair point of reference. Right. And they give you your support, knock you down when you're wrong. Right on. They love you when no one else. They love you when everyone else will. If you're right. I was asking him about, you know, his process, his work process, and and is it about trying to find parts of himself that he can relate to in a character that he's taking on? And, and is it about just putting as much of himself into a role? Is that part of the process for him? Something, words to that effect. Mm -hmm. And he rejected that right out. It's like, absolutely not. Uh, no initials, just the work. That, in, that quote in its entirety is, a, uh, is, is just a... Uh, concise and beautiful outline of how he approached his work. It's pretty great to hear. I'm Chris Doritas, and across uh, the board from me here is River Phoenix. Good day. Again. <laughs> <laughs> Good day. you got a pretty young start in, in film and stuff, and, and we've already pointed out that you've got a, a really big interest in music and film and stuff. How do you approach the film work? Is it Crawl inside and, and, and apply as much of your own experience to the situation. Make it as much you as possible. No, it's not at all. It's creating from scratch, usually. It's simulating someone else's reality through and through. Really? Yeah. You wouldn't okay. find me in the, in the marrow tests. They would test the bone marrow in that character. Really? Yeah. Wow. No initials. Just the work. It's a very different world it's completely leaving for me uh -huh. which is hard to do anything else really because you're out of yourself in a way you're being borrowed your time is being transferred to somebody else's life how do you know that you're anchored still oh i have a pretty keen relationship with myself i've uh, worked out the little tricks to <laughs> get back to where you once belonged. I can find my way home pretty easily. Luckily, I've, I've had to learn the hard way. Yeah. I am reminded of an interview I heard with David Byrne once that was um, talking about how to, build, uh, how to build art, really a schematic on how to build songs, for example, or a piece of art, or whether it be a, <coughs> a film performance, you can right. apply there too. He was talking about how you pull emotions and images and feelings and colors and shapes and, and give each of these elements individual characteristics that make up a larger whole. And that could apply to film, to music, to print, to radio. And uh, really letting elements of the uh, unconscious take, overtaking 
the conscious. Yeah. I know what you mean. And making your mind jump the track. Okay. Yeah. And I guess that's what you're talking about. Really. You're not in a hurry to do things, are you? You take the films that interest you. You don't just uh, take what comes along. I mean, you're this is not a production line. This is not a production line. It's about through and through belief and conviction. If I don't have that, mm -hmm. then you will notice it in my work. <laughs> yeah, it reads true. Yeah, I can't fake it that well. I was talking to somebody today from Heal the Bay, mm -hmm. and they were saying that typically when there's a big rainstorm, like we just had in the last couple of weeks, that on a normal rainstorm or a short rain, they say to wait a week. That's the standard practice. They say, oh, by the way, don't go in the water for a week because the uh, storm drains are flooding out into the uh, bay and there are toxins in there and you risk infection. When I was going to school, they didn't tell me that they spend in 30 days on the military what they've spent on the environment and the earth in the last 30 years. Well, sometimes there's a lot of insincere hoopla surrounding very important topics, but the way the media can blitz something, the validity goes out the window. Mm -hmm. It's like you're distracted from the substance. You, you miss the essence of what's going on. Things are very messed, and I just want to get along. But sometimes you can't pass by. Yeah, you can't walk over it. And so much of it's in phone calls, really, and, and letters to, really? to the government. A, a lot of it really is that kind of red tape yeah. stuff, just being insistent with lobbying because the forces that are working against nature right now have a lot of money mm -hmm. and they lobby 24 hours a day. What was your take on, I know that you played Human Alchemy by XTC, which at the time was River's favorite song. I mean, I think he affirmed that in the conversation. Did that elicit a kind of lit eye from him? Well, we must have talked about it off mic because that's always been one of my favorite XTC songs. And I, I had been playing it on the radio over the years. Mm. I played it in Texas a lot. I'd been on the radio in Texas before KCRW for five years. And I was playing that song a lot. Mm. So I think we, we must have, when he, when he said that song, I must have been like, oh my God, that's one of my favorites. I must have. I would not have been shy about saying, that's so cool you picked that track, you know? Um, so we, you know, uh, I was, I personally was delighted that he picked that song, but, you know, I'm sure I said to him, you know, what do you love that I can drop in the set? You know, and he, that was probably the first thing. Cause it's the only song. Is there other songs that he played in the set that I didn't hear? No. Then that was, it was that was, that the, was the only song. Which is so cool. <laughs> that was your favorite too. Yeah. I love that. But also I, you, when you hear that and then you hear Alaka's Attic, you can hear there's there's a sister band vibe. Yeah. Favorite song of mine. <laughs> Human Alchemy, that's from XTC's Mummer. Great recording. And uh, actually, XTC has been a big influence on you uh, in general. Yes, yes. They are a superhero-like band for me. Mm -hmm. I think that they've produced some wonderful things. Let's talk music, 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 <laughs> and River, which is such a, to me, like, 
So that's one of my obviously strongest memories of him. We've been playing together since I was three and he was five. That was basically who he was, the band leader, and I was his sidekick. That was how I remember River. And then he became a big movie star, which none of us, including him, really observed at home. We were still all in like a family band that loved music. And then, you know, it parlayed into... You know, he found a real like rockin' band, Josh Greenbaum, Josh McKay, Tim Hankins. Sometimes we had this uh, Bill, I forget his last name, for trumpet and had me come in and sing background vocals. So like he like put a band together and then was like, yep, and my longtime collaborator will be backing vocalist, which was super fun. So I got to just like experience you know, being in a band at age 15, 16, 17. He brought me into what would become what I do with the rest of my life, even after he left, which took a long time to find that and transition because really I always looked to him as the band leader to me. You know, I was not planning to go it alone. So that took a while for me to even find my legs there. But I think of music, 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 and Alex Zadig and River as um, really like, the, his real expression of, you know, something he could do anytime, whereas film, he had to rely on others, right? Um, and he was really driven. He loved it, but he also could make it a hot, like he was like, it's a hobby now. I'm not going to say I'm out there slogging at it because I am making yeah. movies. And, and so I guess my question to you was first, you know, what was your take on him with music? Did his eyes light up? Because you actually were there with him, like when you asked about Alex Zadig or the bands he liked. Did it seem to excite a different part of him than when you talked about film? Or Yeah, you know, it seemed like that was a part of his life that he really protected um, in the way that he wanted to keep it pure, you know? Um, I got that sense from him that... Um, Music was going to be part of his life and his, you know, his uh, expression, regardless of if Chris Blackwell comes along and wants to do something with him or T-Bone Burnett or, you know, Island Records, whatever it might be. You know, those were like great if they happen, but that's not what this is about for me, you know. Um, And uh, I just got the sense that, you know, the joy that he got out of it was not um, in, in any way needing to be approved by any outside, you know, you know, a lot of bands are like, what's if we could just get signed, you know, I didn't get right. that impression from him. Right. You know, um, I got the impression that, you know, hey, if, it, if it finds its way into the world and people appreciate it, great. But you know, maybe that was him being magnanimous. I don't know, but, but he, he was, that's, that's the sense I got from him. Yeah, I think so, too. I mean, I think that's why it's also taken me so long to release some of the music is I'm very keenly aware of his um, attention to detail and wanting something to be done before people heard it. Like rough mixes getting out was one. You know, some yeah. people are like, whatever. He would play rough mixes for friends. and But if they had gotten out, he would have been so He didn't upset. give me any of the music. Right. It's not like he left and said, hey, by the way, here's some right. you tracks. Play it. Right. Yeah. Right. That's interesting. Like, yeah. He didn't leave me any music. and Yeah. Which is also, you know, uh, has been a difficult part of because some some people did leak those, mm. you know, demos years ago of like the things they were working on that we were working on right before he passed. And it was so 
that broke my heart because like of knowing him and knowing what he would have wanted. Like that's all I try to do when I do release it is honor what I think. And I know that I can't be him. So like, how can I know? So the torture that goes into me putting out two songs can take me a year. I really have to try to pray about it and be as sure as I can be knowing I can't be River. Some people may not be aware of the fact that you are part of a band. We've made a brief reference to it earlier. Alec is Attic. When you sit down or when you find a thought or a feeling or an emotion or a shape or a color or whatever that you want to put into the band, the music of the band, as somebody who's trying to express himself you know, right. in, <clears throat> in film or whatever it is, and right. some of it goes to music, some of it goes into... I don't divide it up that way. It appears, it materializes. It's something that I channel. I've never really felt credit and I don't need to, because mm-hmm. it it comes from this faraway place, mm-hmm. and it's this haunting loop in your head. And if you don't relieve it, then you'll just have the same <laughs> yeah. loop of whatever it is running <laughs> through your head for the entire day. So You have to flush it out, basically. <laughs> yeah, it, it's a way of getting it off my chest. Yeah. Do you find that it's a, a politically sticky situation in trying to develop a, your work in music alongside a rapidly developing film career? I really don't care. I just feel that those who hear it and relate will find a way. It must be so weird, though, to, for example, if you're part of a band, right. like Galica's Attic, suddenly people find out that River Phoenix is in the band, and suddenly they listen to it in a completely different way. Yeah, there's no way of approaching it with a mm-hmm. open, neutral mm-hmm. stance. Someone who had developed this for a while was Island. Chris Blackwell met up with me when I was about 16. and That's about five years ago. Yeah, already. and had a lot of interest in developing something. And... and we have found a resolve in our demos that we've done together. And now it, it seems appropriate to let it just be. It doesn't have to play in the airwaves for it to matter. Yeah. It's a hobby right now for us folks in Alexandric, and one day perhaps <laughs> it will make it to the airwaves and then you'll have it. You'll have it, and you'll listen to it, and if you don't like it, you won't listen to it, and that's great. Alec is at it. Let's do it now. Let's do it. What the heck? This is stuff that was actually produced with T-Bone Burnett. Yeah. Okay. Let's hear what we done. That one Was that one produced by T-Bone? No, this one, what do you want to do? This is the 8-track stuff I did at home. Okay, let's start with that one. We'll do what we've done. All right, what we've done, we did this by ourselves at home, in the attic, with an 8-track recorder.
Alica come from? What the Alica's attic name? I mean, I know they recorded it in an attic. Yes, right? and, and it was cute how much he mentioned attic in the interview. <laughs> but but what? Who's Alica? So I think the way I remember it, um, and look, River was into embellishing things. So then, like, he might tell Lou a different version, and you would. But the, the succinct way um, that I recall is he created a fictional character, Alica, and the whole concept behind it is Alica was this like poet who um, passed away and kids found his writings in the attic and kept him alive, which is very poetic. That's beautiful. So yeah, it was just a fictional character he made up in this idea of this world like Alica's attic where anything was possible. And I think it's a play off of like the magic of Alakazam and right. So that's why was, I really don't you know, the inner workings of where he came to that, he shared it as this basic idea of a of a man Alica who passed away and his things went on to I love that. It's beautiful. It's right? beautiful, yeah. Went on to touch others. I have a question for you because, yeah. you know, when you found out that he had come through KCRW and, and I had done an interview, I don't think you had ever, you hadn't heard it. And you and I met up and you're like, I want to hear this interview and I got it to you. I want to know, like, that must have been really emotional for you to sit down and listen to that. I mean, I love hearing his voice. And actually, the first thing I think that struck me was how young he actually was. And because he's always my old, older brother to me, even as I get older, he's up here as like an older sure. sibling. So to hear this 21-year-old kid, you know, articulating or trying to articulate big, big, like you were having deep conversation and kind of, he had that depth for sure. But I could still hear that he was such a kid just discovering and exploring life for the first time and, and trying to put it into words. And, and, you know, he enjoyed kind of um, wordplay. And you could tell that in his lyrics. If you listen to Alec Zadig, everything is kind of like couched in a poetry that you really have to decipher to know what he was talking about. That was just sort of... And so sometimes he spoke in those kind of riddle-like... And so it was fun to hear that again because, you know, I haven't heard him talk in a long time so it was like wow there he is i remember that that's his he has the quality to like speak in kind of riddles and his quotes are more poetic than they are just direct like here's what i'm telling you yeah. a, so i that's what struck me you know obviously of course um hearing his voice you know i don't do a lot of i don't watch all his films all the time or you know i like i've probably been more connected to him and his work in the last year since I made the record river. And I kind of opened that portal into like, I have to sort of include him. I can't just know that he was beautiful and that happened and ignore it. You know, I have to include him in everything I do. So I let myself like feel all those feelings and hear and watch and experience more. So that was part of that. I'm pretty sure that when I got that tape from you, it was, during the 25 year mark when I was kind of going through um, more of his work and also, you know, making a record and sort of feeling all that. So, so yeah, I mean, for sure emotional, but also just so joyful to hear that, like my memory of him uh, when there are artifacts from that time to know that my memory of him when they're in terms of the artifacts that I did hear from that time are true of who he was. Like it wasn't like some fantasy bond. 
You know what I mean? It's like, oh yeah, there he is. That's exactly who I remember. That's what I thought he sounded like. That's what I thought he would say. So it was comforting, you know, the short answer, you know, through the, yeah. through the sadness is there is a comfort and remembering. You know, I, uh, I just want to say that I think it's so beautiful how you honor him, how, how you guys honor him. Of course, wish he was here now with us and we could be laughing about the good old days, but in, in his own way, I think he is. So thank you for sharing your stories about him. Thank you for having me. Yeah. That's River Phoenix, and we're going to hear uh, another one from Alex Zadig. By the name of Dog God, it's another one that we did on a track. At your house, right? At our house. Up in the attic. In the attic. <laughs> Dog God. was 
Hello, just wanted to thank Animal Equality again for sponsoring and powering this episode of Launch Left. The work they do is so important. Please donate to Animal Equality today. Launch Left aims to create an intentional space that highlights and empowers all artists for whom radical creativity is not a choice, but a necessity. Launch Left begins with music, but its ultimate aim is to launch left-of-center artists in all creative fields. 